This morning we are continuing um, with our understanding of the gospel in the moment, the good news in the moment, um, and then what that looks like. What does it look like to be uh, the gospel in the moment? What does it look like for people to play that role, to be a part like that? And um, last week we, we kind of looked at and the idea that when we come to Christ, when we get into have a relationship with Christ, it says that we are a new creation. We become a new creature. And, and instead of being disconnected from God, we're now reconnected. And now that changes everything about our story. And now our story interacts with the world's story, with other people's story. So we now become the people of the moment. We become a people that are connected with God that have the power and the influence in the moment. And the scripture shows us that he is making his appeal. He is calling out to the world. He is reaching to the whole world through those who have become connected and reunited with him. And so the gospel is now working through us to touch anybody and everybody. The gospel is now playing that role in us and through us. That, that's what makes it so alive, so powerful in the moment. So we were created, the scripture would say, for this moment. And it means that we're equipped. We have the power, we have the ability to, to truly operate in the moment and deliver what God is doing. I, I think it's one of the biggest struggles that the church can, can have is it struggles with the truth that in the moment, you are everything the moment needs. The Holy Spirit is with you. The power of God is with you. The relationship was with you. And, and that's what makes us the hope of the world. We began last week to look at how is the message actually packaged? When we looked at 1 Corinthians 13, 13, where it talks about that faith, hope, and love the greatest is love, but it, it looks at this triad as the face of that appeal to humanity. That if humanity can experience and see in humanity faith, hope, and love. They can see God reaching them, touching them, the reality of God through humanity. It makes it real. He is the God of hope. Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust him, so that you may overflow with hope. So that you have more hope than you need. So that you may have more hope than you need. I rarely run into people who say, you know, I'm just full of hope. I'm overflowing with hope. I just have more hope than I can use. It's just, it's, a, it's, a, it's an issue. It's a problem. But I run into a lot of people who have a deficit of hope. They're disillusioned with life. They're disillusioned with so many things. And if you ask them about their hope, it's not an easy answer. 
Years ago, we were in Nuevo Laredo, and we did a survey. It was just a way to meet people. We had like five questions, and we would go to the plaza, and we would just meet strangers. Hey, we have a quick survey for you. Would you be willing to answer five questions? And I don't remember the exact order of the questions, but it was something like this. Uh, so how do you see your life today? Where do you think you'll be in five years? Where's your family today? Where do you think your family will be in five years? How about your city? What about your nation? And it was like 50% of the people that we interviewed were in tears by question five. Because they did not see a better future. And out of these people... 17 people said, here's our telephone number, because we would just ask, hey, if you, if you want to be in touch with us, we're coming frequently, we'd like to talk to you more about this. 17 people gave us their telephone number. These are strangers, giving us their telephone number in the middle of the plaza. And obviously, I don't fit in that plaza, do I? But you see, is there a glimmer of hope? Is there something here? Well, as we saw last week in Hebrews 6, verses 18 through 20, this is out of the message. We have run for our very lives to God, have every reason to grab the promised hope with both hands and never let go. It's an unbreakable spiritual lifeline, reaching past all appearances right to the very presence of God where Jesus, running on ahead of us, has taken up permanent post as high priest. We're going to show you a little bit of an example about uh, hope, and I have some more people coming up in a few minutes. Uh, as, it, as it uses this language, I love this language. It is kind of an anchor to the soul. Um, but he's going to go first. You guys go stand at the throne. <laughs> Sorry. You see, it, it shows this lifeline. It shows this... Um, it shows this... This line, and I, th I think we don't always grasp what hope really is. You see, often our hope is tied to things that won't hold. Do you know that Christmas is a season of hope? Do you know how many people attach that line to family? And they're expecting family to hold them. They're wishing family could hold them. But it doesn't always work. So maybe they tie it to jobs or to money. They tie it to other things. Something that can hold their expectation. Something that can keep them going in the right direction. And we tie our hope to so many things. We go to that family reunion we've been waiting for all year only to get in a fight 
with our cousin, our nephew, our uncle. And there's that uncle who's been creepy all our life, and he ruined the whole thing. Some of you have that uncle, don't you? But you see, here's what Scripture describes. First place is, I want you to get it. If the Scripture says you need an anchor for your soul, what do you think that means? If God says, here, you're going to need an anchor, a huge anchor. Uh, now, enjoy your time at sea. By the way, don't forget the big, big anchor. Enjoy going out to sea. But please, don't forget the great, big, giant anchor. You're like, what is going to happen to me at sea? What happens at sea? And so, and so what we know by this language is something is going to challenge the anchor. Something is going to challenge. It will be challenged in this life. You see, hope is more than a, than a greeting card, isn't it? This, this is the hope right here. Is it something that can hold you? All right, so it would be nice if he were just kind of water skiing back there and, and he was being pulled along. But there are other problems with the picture. Now the waves come in. And we have Dr. Evil here this morning to participate in this. <laughs> Every church has one. It's like an uncle. All right, so you see, evil is going to challenge not only your hope, but what it's anchored to. Sorry, no good person. <laughs> <laughs> and then others get on the line. Come here, hey, look. And still others. Oh, I'm going to get you now, Marty. And then more others. Let's see if there's a real challenge here. You see, I felt toothless. You felt <laughs> Thank you, guys. So, I don't know what our collective throne of God weighs in at, but would you rather be attached to that or this? Now, here's what the scripture describes. Mark, don't leave yet. Go over there. Go back to the throne. That means something different in other places, doesn't it? Um, so, you're listening. Um, here's, here's the trick here. See, these are all in this world. These are all things we can see. We can see them and touch them in this world and we can love them and sometimes they, they love us back. The real 
issue with these is they're only of this world. The real challenge is that so often our hope is attached to something really isn't taking you anywhere. So if I attach my rope to the chair when I arrive, I have a chair. In Ecclesiastes, we read where they accomplished one thing after another. They accomplished that next thing that would fill their soul. And it was, it was all vain. It was vanity. We do that. Education, love, boyfriend, girlfriend, marriage, children, house, car, jobs. We keep attaching to those things. But the anchor that God describes, he says, it isn't located where you are. It's located where I am. And the scripture declares that here you won't find anything to attach hope to that will take you somewhere. You see, the throne of God is what the scripture says hope attaches to. All of a sudden, you find get one into this throne of God. <laughs> All of a sudden, we find something very different. You see, no matter how hard life is, I'm going somewhere. No matter how much I get off course, no matter which way I go and I mess up some things, look, see how it anchors me? Even if I go backwards, that's what hope does when we anchor it to Jesus, when it's at the throne of God. You see, even when I'm resisting, but if I hold on to that hope, it does not fail me. It does not fail me. And then in time, see, even, even there, it's messing with me. But in time, I go this way. I go this way. I'm walking this way. I'm tangled. But hope never disappoints. And the throne of God never loses a battle. You see, that's the power of hope. That's what it does. Thank you, Mark. Wow, it looks terrible up here, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, this is kind of what your life looks like. Uh, that's a perspective from heaven. All this carnage around you and, you know, but you need to see the power of your hope and why it's so important. You also need to see this is why the world 
struggles without hope. <clears throat> See, these are moments that need that hope. Last week I said it is difficult to find a part of the world where there is not deep political, spiritual, and economic crisis growing. But I want, to, I want to adjust that statement a little bit. It is difficult to find a part of the world where hopelessness is not growing. In hopelessness, people lose their way. They lose their way. You see, without something that attaches you to forward, then forward is, no longer exists. Maybe that's forward. Maybe that's forward. You see, I no longer have an anchor to my soul. Life without hope, it loses all meaning. It becomes a pointless exercise, often a hard exercise. You see, hope is what makes every day, even the darkest of days, carry the power and the potential of the kingdom of God. That's, that's the power of hope. Now, I, I want you to understand this is what the world needs. What if everybody had hope that anchored them to the very throne of God? It makes every day different. It makes every challenge, every reversal, every dilemma, every struggle different because there's something that anchors you beyond this life, beyond this world, beyond this circumstance in the moment. You are anchored to something more substantial than the difficulty, no matter how great it is. Hope believes Things will happen. I think we often confuse hope and faith. Hope believes. Hope has a great conviction. It has a great conviction. It is the power of believing. Hope hits the ball. Hope is not like the cheesy little brother or sister of faith. Hope is a player. And it is, it is the peace upon which faith operates and acts. So... Hope is the line. Faith is me doing this. It's me acting on that hope. It's me acting on that conviction. It's me taking action. It is me saying, this is it, and I'm going to use it. And so I began to work in this hope. You see, that's the nature of faith as opposed to hope. It believes that things will happen. Hope is about expectation. It's about trust. It's about confidence. In fact, the, the Greek word actually translates across all those things. Hope is an expectation. Hope is that anchor that keeps us. I like to think of it this way. You can almost take the word hope and change it to wait, and the scripture will make perfect sense. 
It's about waiting. It's not there yet. Hope is about, it's about it coming, but not there. It has a waiting component. You see, we don't like that. And, and in, the, in the world, you know, the scripture in the Old Testament, it says, uh, in, in the King James Version, it says it like this. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Hope unrealized is disappointing. Hope real, unrealized can break your soul. But see, that's an Old Testament idea. You see, the New Testament describes that hope realized. I, I want us to realize the hope has been realized. The hope is in place. Now we're acting in that hope, even though things are not fulfilled. Hope, like faith, works in the absence of results. So even when there was, and it says it like this about Abraham, the term hope against hope actually if you've ever heard that, it's, it's from the Bible, actually. But it, it said that Abraham, of course, you know, his wife's 100. He's over 100 and they're past childbearing age. But he's still believing. He's still hoping. He's still hoping. What? In what God said, that he would have a son. He would have an a, a offspring. And, and the term used is hope against hope. So even when there was no reason to hope, even when there was no practical way that hope made sense, it said he kept hoping. You see what that hope does? Bam, bam, bam. That rope was still there. And he's still acting on it. He's still hanging on. You know, if you don't let go, you're still in. Even if I'm going backwards and I'm hanging on, I'm in. I've got hope. Romans 8, 24 and 25 says it like this. For in this hope we are saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? Do you see how that makes sense? Oh, I hope Melinda will marry me. You know, if I said that to somebody, they go, Bill, is there something we don't know? <laughs> no, we're, we're already married. Then why did you say you're hoping she will marry you? You see, what the scripture says is, you see, that does not make any sense. But we think that way very often in spiritual terms. You see, we're hoping for what we don't yet see. And faith is acting upon that hope. But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we, oh, there's that word, wait for it patiently. And some of us, impatiently. The key is waiting. Patience is a picture of maturity. Waiting is a necessity. And we mature in the process. Over time, you begin to learn what going backwards on the hope line looks like. Many of us learn what letting go of the hope line looks like. 
Many of us know what it's like to swing. and We feel like I've been all the way around the throne of God. Anything but forward for me. Thank you very much. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. And perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame. It will not disappoint us. It will not let us down. You will never find regret and hope together in Jesus. But along the way, holding on to that rope, this world is going to challenge. Darkness is going to challenge. It's going to challenge. And that makes the perseverance, and there's some suffering. Don't let go. When the rope is burning your hands, don't let go. When something is, you know, trying to set your hands on fire, don't let go of the rope. Better to show up just part of you than to let go of that rope. That is a line that you need. So hope is one of the greatest, most powerful, and most practical gifts that we have to offer the world. It is a very powerful gift. You see, when I have hope, my life has purpose. When I have hope, my life has purpose. When I have hope, I have identity. When I have hope, all these other things, my direction, my focus, uh, uh, my, my stamina, all these things become powerful because I have hope. So the world latches on to all kinds of things. It latches on to religion. It latches on to Christianity. It latches on to, to philosophies and ideas. It's just looking for direction. It's looking for purpose. It's looking for hope. Let's end world hunger. Let's stop the slave trade. Let's stop all these things. Let's start things. Let's just get along. These are all great statements. But they're causes. They're not an anchor. The world desperately desires hope because then it'll know who it is. I know who I am. I don't have to swing this way or that way. I'm comfortable with who I am. It is a powerful gift the world needs. You know, I was uh, talking with someone this morning uh, before church, and after I spoke with this person, I don't know, five minutes or so, it struck me that I was better. Now, I wasn't bad when I started, but I was better. I was better because of a conversation I had. My soul was better. 
My heart was better. My head was better. I was better. I like that. I like it when I can have a five-minute random conversation and be better. And I'm thinking about this. If I had like, I don't know, 40 five-minute conversations, all of them made me feel better today from this room. How good would I be doing when I left here, huh? I mean, I would be like faster than a bullet. I'd be all kinds of cool stuff walking out the door. See, people who walk in hope just naturally give hope to others. When I'm not walking in sarcasm or cynicism, when I'm not walking in depression and anger, when I'm not walking in disappointment and hurt, when I'm not walking in those things that the world identifies with, but I'm walking in the truth that I'm anchored to the very throne of God, I will not lose. You see, that's what the Scripture's saying. You will not lose. Hang on. I will get you all the way home. Hang on. You will not lose. You see, that person doesn't have to be cynical. That person becomes very different. So what if we were that person? And the people we talk to. I mean, how many times have you said something like this? Good morning. And uh, somebody said, you know, what's so good about it? But they usually add a word or two in there. What's so good about it? I mean, how many times if the right person, you just say morning. You know not to say good. Morning. We carry hope. It should be here, on my face, in my tone. It should be in my tone. People should like talking to me. Uh, years ago, um, I was in um, Little Rock, Arkansas. I was leaving on a, a Friday afternoon flight coming home after a week of business up there. Um, and... I was on a Southwest flight, and this Southwest flight was a, uh, a direct flight. It stopped in Dallas, but you didn't have to change planes. But they, they did it like an unscheduled plane change probably 50% of the time, and that made you go and stand by at a love field on Friday afternoon. I'm used to this disappointment, and uh, so I'm in the terminal, and there's a guy in front of me. He's from, uh, I can tell from the accent, he's from New York, and he's just hearing... Uh, that this plane is going to have an unscheduled plane change. He's going to be standby to Houston. He's mad. And so he's got his briefcase, and he throws it across the terminal. Now, of course, he'd probably be arrested today for that, but this is years ago. And, um, and it broke open. His, his briefcase came open, and a coffee cup came out, and a mug, and it broke. And I thought, oh, what a jerk. That, that was my thinking. Um, what a jerk. Um, very godly man. So... Uh, Going to the flight, and I'm on the phone with my secretary till the very last second. I'm the last person on the airplane. And uh, Southwest used to have what they call club seating. So the very front seats face backwards. So you had three seats fading, facing three seats. I get on the very last seat. It's right there, club seating. Who am I? I'm right across from this guy. 
I'm right across from him. Oh, man. Now i got like 40 minutes of this guy. And so the girl comes by, and they would come by, you know, before you take off, take your drink order. She said, what would you like? He said, I want a gin and tonic, two. Oh, great. Now he's going to be drunk and disorderly. This is, this is great. So I'm, I've had a hard week myself. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not liking this. All right, so I'm sitting here, and I'm thinking, oh, I have to put up this guy. So then he's got a seat next to him, and there's this seat next to that person, one sitting next to the window, is this girl. And so she hears this, and so she leans over to him. Uh, she just kind of leans out like this and says, sir, have you had a hard day? And she just begins to just speak blessing over him and just being kind to him. And his face goes from being red and probably this blood pressure that would blow a meter. He just begins to become normal. And, and then by the, by the end of this 40-minute flight, all six of us are talking. We're talking about Jesus. And this guy has entered the conversation. In the back of my mind, there's two questions. One is, where was I at? That was actually the second question. My first question was, who is this chick? That was my first question. Why? Because of what she did. She just walks in with this hope. And so now going over to go, you know, stand by me and my new friend from New York, we're arm in arm like this. Uh, and, and so he says, hey, was she in a wheelchair? I said, I don't know. She had these braces on her hands. I said, I don't know. I was the last one on the plane. So uh, this girl, I have to say, she intrigued me. She, she captivated me. And uh, so next time I was in Arkansas, which was a couple weeks later, I looked her up. She's a quadriplegic. She's a quadriplegic. She suffered a diving accident on a graduation party to Florida. And she's a quadriplegic. Where does her hope come from? And so, as we're, as I'm talking to her, we're just talking, just talking to her, and, and she's doing the same thing to me. She's just got this hope and this grace, and it's just getting on me, and part of me is I like it, but I can't quite figure it out. Um, and so, so finally, uh, we start talking about uh, my nephew who has special needs. Um, and she said, is that why your heart is so broken? How did she know that? How did she see that? This was, the creep level was going way up just, just on, on me not feeling comfortable but at the same time being attracted to this hope. You see, that's what the people of God bring. It's the natural, intrinsic hope. It just comes out on the angry, on the frustrated, the disenfranchised, the hurting. It just comes out. That's the gift we have. And, and for her name was Kelly. For her, she was a quadriplegic. And she was also a youth pastor. And she's one of my heroes. Because she 
is a person of powerful hope, powerful faith. And she's a person that has enough hope that she gives recklessly in abandonment to everybody who needs. She is a wellspring of hope. So you see, what she does, she brings people over to the rope. She helps them get their hand on that rope. She shows them with her face and with her tone, with her comments, with her heart, with her eyes. She shows them what it's like to have direction rooted in something beyond this world. She shows them what it is like to be safe. She shows them what it is like to have an identity that goes beyond your appearance or your abilities. She shows them. She just gently shows people. She doesn't quote a scripture. She just gives off hope. And it makes people want to get on that line. Does that make sense? First Peter 3, 15 and 17 through 17. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for your hope. The hope that you have. Not a hope. Not even the hope. Your hope. But do this with gentleness. Do this with respect keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously, yes, those can speak maliciously about good behavior, can't they? Ephesians 2, 19 and 20. For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ when he comes? This is Paul speaking. He says, is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and our joy. Along the way, we participate in what God is doing, bringing hope to the world. And what you'll find is along the way, they become a part of your hope. You begin to hope for them. Care about them. You begin to want them to hope more than you want them to not throw a tantrum about a flight change. You see, I was focused on me and my judgment of another person. But she was focused on that person needing hope, needing a perspective that was tied beyond the circumstance of the moment. See, that's what hope does that's tied to the kingdom. It's tied beyond the perspective that you have when it's attached to the circumstances of the moment. For me and this gentleman, we were both attached to the circumstances of the moment. And she helped us both. Hebrews 11. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for. See how they're connected? 
and for assurance about we do, what we do not see. This is what the ancients, this is what the history, the people of history were commended for. If you could stand.